Visit the Ford fans on Level 6 at the next Jazz game. There are free pop shot games, cornhole, foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Time now to talk jazz basketball with Michael Smith, jazz analyst on AT&T Sportsnet. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest to you. Michael, good morning. What's up, guys? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. The Jazz are up 21-12, and 12, winning games left and right, and they've got a bunch of teams with losing records right in front of them. Is it too much to expect yeah. now to just reel off a win streak? Because why give even one game back to those teams in front of you? you got second place only two games away. Win, and uh, you'll be in pretty good shape in three weeks. Yeah, well said. Um, they've, really, they've really bounced out of that that little trip they took back east, which I think really hurt their confidence a little bit. They, they, you know, they, Milwaukee and Indiana, and I think they went to Memphis and won, but then they stayed out east and lost to Philly and Toronto. And at the time, those teams were all good at home, right? They're still good teams, but like Milwaukee, Toronto, and Philly, at the time, some of them were undefeated. One, maybe Milwaukee had lost one. So that was a daunting trip. And they kind of came out of that, and I felt like, uh-oh, you know, it was kind of a slap in the face, and maybe revealed who they weren't. And of course, they came home and played the Lakers the very next game, which always feels like a road trip, and lost that game. But I didn't view that as too badly, right? Because the Lakers are like the one team I think they don't match up well against because of all that length, Davis and McGee, and of course the strength of LeBron. But they have responded beautifully. I think they've won eight out of nine, and as you say, maybe only Indiana in the next 11 opponents is has a winning record, and that game will be at home at Vivint. So, yeah, I mean, it's you can't say they're going to win all those games, but they got a shot to win nine of them. You know, there'll be some slippage, but wouldn't that be wonderful? And then, then they are looking at the three or two seed, and and they're right where we thought they might be. Okay, Mike, everything you say is absolutely true. As I try to identify reasons, I'm going to give you three, and I want your response. One, Mitchell has elevated his game to an all-NBA level. Two, Joe Ingles as a starter has really flourished, and the team is better for it. And then Clarkson providing the punch that they needed off the bench. Those are my three reasons. All those things are, are correct. Clarkson's a small sample, right? Only three games, but but 16 points a game, and, and what an astute move. Um, I've always said uh, fans in Utah will be able to relate to this. The best missionaries you know, were able to t- determine early on people they were teaching were progressing. The same is true like of a general manager, right? Like you, you, you have to understand which of your guys are going to become the guys you think they are. And so there's people who are sad that Dante Exum is traded, but you, you kind of have to move on from things that aren't working out the way you want, whether it was injuries that kept Dante from becoming who he was supposed to be, or whether he just wasn't ever as good as the fourth pick in the draft and, and never going to be something. But the earlier in those cases that you move on and say, okay, I made a mistake, but a lot of people would have gone for him. Uh, way back when the Clippers drafted a kid named Michael Olawakandi, and they were, they were just, you know, 
cremated for drafting him, right? The number one pick. That's the same draft as Nowitzki and Paul Pierce. It was the year after Tim Duncan. But I guarantee you, 29 of the 30 GMs would have drafted this kid. He was 7'2". He was running a five-minute mile. He had a wingspan of 7'7". He played basketball for only four years. Everyone thought, oh, my gosh, this is the next Olajuwon. And he panned out to be none of that. But the sooner you make a move, the better. And so, yeah, the, the Exum injuries probably didn't allow the general managerial staff to make a move sooner, but I applaud them. I applaud them for saying, hey, let's go another direction. Our bench needs help. Let's bring in Clarkson. He will help them. He's a born scorer, and we all know the bench needed a boost. Joe Ingles, guys, uh, I think the last 10 games has averaged 17 points and five rebounds and five assists and shot 50% from three. Uh, whether that's related to the move to, to the starting lineup, I think it is because he felt more comfortable. What a brilliant move by Quinn. And maybe necessitated by the Conley injuries, but still we've now discovered something and Joe's become Joe again. And for whatever reason, Joe was not Joe at the beginning of the season. He was awful. He probably would tell you the same. But he's better than he was the last three years, at least in this sample of the last 12, 10 to 15 games. So when he's good, they're good. And finally, and not lastly, Donovan is, he's so much better than he was the last two years. And only in that span of six games that I mentioned earlier, when they went east, did Donovan kind of revert back to some of the moves and shots he was making in moments of crisis and tension in the last two years. He kind of returned to a floater. Maybe it was the size and length of a Milwaukee or Philly that, you know, I don't know, feeling like he had to do much of it himself. But his mid-range game, guys, is his bread and butter. His three ball has been incredible. He sh- I have him shooting over 50% from the field the last 13 games and scoring at a clip that's you know better than a year ago, but it's, it, it passes the eye test too. He's better. He's more of a leader. That game recently against the Clippers, he was phenomenal. And I live here in L.A., so people in L.A. were like, oh, that was the hangover after the Laker Christmas win, and, <laughs> and our guys had the flu. Baloney. That was a statement game. The Jazz can beat them. And I think the Clippers are the favorite to win it all, just on paper, based on what they have. But the Jazz can match up with them, and they can beat them. And Donovan was terrific in that game. That little pump fake on Kawhi at baseline jam, that was an eye-opener. I think to the Clippers, to the league, to Donovan, to the Jazz. Donovan so humbly asked about it after the game by Kristen Kenny said, that, you know, I was just trying to make a play. I felt Kawhi near me. I pumped him. He, he wasn't even thinking dunk or tomahawk move. or you know, He was just like, I was going to go to the rim and get something good. That's a, that's a sign of, of good things happening. So all three of those things are, are all favorable things going forward. I just want to add one caveat to that because I largely agree with what you just said about the Jazz. But when it comes to Jazz and Clippers, I do believe the Jazz can beat the Clippers, and I think that's different than beating them four times. I'll sign off on the first one, but I'm not signing off on the second one yet. Yeah, they're good. The Clippers are good, and it pains me to say it. I mean, that's a team I worked for for 20 years, and uh, they didn't hire me back you know, three years ago, So, uh, which is why I find myself working for the Jazz. I love that. 
but I find myself just, you know, I, I can't root for them. <laughs> I, I just don't like who they are as an organization and just kind of mean, nasty people at the top. And But whatever. Uh, I don't talk too much about that because it makes me sound bitter and angry and like I got a grudge, which I really don't. But I, I, uh, there's players they have I don't like. I don't like Patrick Beverly. I've never liked Kawhi, and I got no reason not to like Kawhi. That sounds terrible. I do like Paul George. Uh, I do like Zubots. I do like Lou Williams and and recognize his incredible skills, like to score the ball at his age. I mean, he's just an amazing score in our league. But uh, yeah, you might be right, DJ. There, you got to beat him four times, and and you'd hope to have home court advantage on him, but you may not. And so, yeah, that. But I do feel like Clippers and Lakers are the two favorites in the West. But I feel like the Jazz can be you know, a three or four seed, and then you got a shot, right? Then you got your great Utah crowd in a semifinal, conference semifinal, and at least three games in your building. And so I think it's it's all going to get exciting over the next three, four months. So when you speak of Clarkson with that short sample size, how legit do you think it is? Well, I think he was just mired in, in Cleveland in no man's land, right? It just – post LeBron and and there's a team going nowhere and it just was such a great move to go get him because he's always been able to score and I I had him here early at Staples Center in his Laker days and from the get-go he's a second round pick who just had a scoring mindset he's athletic he's unafraid which you probably saw in his first game some of the shots he was taking in his first game in front of the Jazz crowd I was like whoa mm-hmm. he's not coming in tentative so I just, I just think it's a good move. I just, I, I think it holds up. I don't know that it holds up to the point of 16 points a game, but I feel like Quinn and and the staff's going to give him a chance to be great. And on that unit, he's he's going to be called upon, and he has those abilities. It, it just gives the Jazz greater versatility, and their second unit was really struggling, and so they've. They've morphed into, guys, right before our very eyes, and give Quinn Snyder credit, you know, an offensive juggernaut. That's who they've become. Last year, they're a defensive stalwart, right, with Rudy anchoring, but defensive-minded players, Crowder and Favors and Rubio, who are now gone. What they lacked offensively, they provided defensively. That's why the Jazz were number one ranked team defensively all year. And they were again this year early. But, man, they went through a stretch where they couldn't stop anybody. I think six of eight opponents scored 120 on them, and you were like, what's going on? But Quinn has adjusted, and Quinn said, okay, maybe that's not who we are personnel-wise. Maybe we're an offensive-minded team that can now shoot the ball. They've addressed their shooting woes, and they just light it up from three. And it's not fluky. Their three ball is not fluky. Joe worried me. But Joe has come back to his 40% career numbers, even better of late. But Bogey has been better than advertised, or at least I didn't know he was that good. And I used to only see him twice a year, right? East Coast, West Coast. I was always covering the West Coast, so I'd see him a couple times. I thought, huh, this guy's pretty good. He's really good. Like, his shot is downright consistent, he shoots it effortlessly, so on nights when you're tired or you don't have great legs, his shot is ill-affected by you know the normal fatigue of the season, 
And he's better going to the basket than I ever realized. He's long. He's clever. I just, I got to applaud how they've morphed into what their personnel has asked them to be. Michael Smith, jazz analyst on AT&T Sportsnet, joining us now. Uh, so with Clarkson, does the league catch up to him? I mean, it's it was impressive, like you said, that he came out and so fearless. But you got to say that the opposing teams, these first three games, haven't really known how the Jazz are going to use him. So do you expect you expect other teams to handle him a little better? Or these 19, 20-point games, he's put up the last two games, and that's kind of ballpark to what he's going to do. He, he, you got to realize, if, if he's going to get the majority of his minutes against second units, there's a reason guys are on the second unit, right? They're not... They're not starting five caliber. They're not all stars. So, I like his talent and his you know his physical tools against second units. I think it holds up. Uh, I'm I'm not saying he's Lou Williams and going to score 19 a game. He, he's not that type of shooter. But you, you you usually are what you are, and by this stage for sure. So given new life and new opportunity, yeah, there's going to be a little euphoria initially and adrenaline pumping. But I think he's a, I think he's a 13 to 15 point a game guy for you off the bench, which is what you needed. I realize it's 16 point something through three games, but um, yeah, I think he is he is what he is. So with that in mind, you know, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do they do? What do they do when Conley comes back, Mike? Uh, well, I think it's a blessing. It, it's kind of a nice problem to have if you're Quinn, right? You got Joe playing great in this new starting lineup. Now, this is my own opinion. I don't speak for the team, but what if you what if you had Conley without being a sub? Right, you got to start him. He's a twelve year starter in this league. You got to start him. So you can't demote him to the bench. But what you can do is alter the substitution pattern so that he kind of leads your bench. Right? You can still start him and bring him the first one out, not unlike, you know, what a Sloan did to Stockton. Sloan was so predictable in his and programmable in his substitution patterns. Probably why Stockton and Malone played for so long. You know, probably just got used to what they were. But, I mean, you could start Conley and then rotated such that he came back in with the second unit for the tail part of the first quarter, maybe the beginning part of the second quarter. I, I, I think it's a blessing. I think Mike is still trying to figure it out. You know, again, small sample. Mike was awful to start. He knows that. We all know that. He couldn't make a shot the first whatever games it was. Then, then there's a 10-game run before his injury where he's Mike Conley, right? He's 17, 18 points a game. He's 38% from three. He really was who he always has been. And you kind of took a big, you know, breath of relief and said, okay, this, this is who we got and traded for. This is who we know he'll be. And of course, the injuries have not allowed us to see how that all progresses. So I'm surprised the hamstring has lasted as long as it has. But I think the re-aggravation has made them more cautious and plus, they're winning, so there's no hurry to bring him back. But I, you want him, you need him. There's probably a clever way to use him and keep things going the way it is. And so I don't know. I, I would keep Ingles in the starting lineup. I would keep Conley when he's back and healthy in the starting lineup. 
you know, with Mitchell, with Gobert, with Bogey. Look at that lineup. That's almost a little death lineup with the shooting. Compare that lineup to last year's starting lineup in terms of the shooting. you got shooters other than Gobert everywhere on the floor and scorers. Uh, and then you can substitute freely, and maybe Mike's the first one out. Maybe he's the first one back in with a Clarkson and with a Royce O'Neal, and, you know, one by one you bring them back. I think they're better. But, yeah, Mike's been a little bit of a uh, an enigma so far, but he's so full of character. I think in the long run he proves truly who he is. You think with the Joe Ingles turnaround, I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that it's a little bit about Joe, but it's a lot about who he's out on the court with. And certainly as he plays better, he gets more confidence. So part of it is on him. But early on when he's out there with the bench unit and you got some non-scorers on the floor and they're really struggling, I think the defenses could totally focus on him. And he's such a good passer. He needs to be out there with other scorers. That's part of who he is. And if you take that away and just say, hey, Joe, go one on five and score, good luck. I mean, you could put LeBron out there with any four bench guys and he'll still be LeBron. But most guys can't do that. And I think when Joe's on the floor with better players, he becomes a much better player. It's a multiplier effect. Do you, do you buy into that? Yes, absolutely. So well said, DJ. He's he's a little bit like a Draymond Green, right? You put Draymond Green out there with Clay and Steph and KD, and you're like, oh crap, <laughs> he's an all star too. Well, Draymond Green with with non all stars around him is not an all star, and Joe's like that. So yes, it is every bit in my mind uh, a result of who he was surrounded by, for sure. If Joe Ingles is your fourth best player on the floor, you got a really good unit on the team. I mean, on the floor, that that's going to be a tough unit to stop because he's so smart, he's clever, he can shoot, he can pass. You know, he's he's a ball mover, he's a floor spacer. But all of a sudden, if Joe is being asked to be your second best player on the floor or your first, he's not that. He's limited physically. He's not fast. He's not. He's a, he's a little bit lengthy, but he doesn't play long, right? And he, he's guardable. And certainly if he's focused upon, he's guardable even more so. So you are spot on. And I really believe the Jazz noticed that and noticed how good he can be when he's surrounded by the other greats. And so, I mean, think about it. The Jazz are still doing this all, all this without an all-star. I think Donovan makes his first all-star selection this year. And I don't think the Jazz get two All-Stars. But Bogey's certainly worthy of a look, and so's Gobert. But I think Donovan makes his, his first All-Star selection this year. And But you're spot on, DJ. You, you, you surround Joe with great players. His skills shine. And the opposite or the corollary is also true. You surround him with guys who aren't able, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, he gets a little exposed. Michael, we appreciate a few minutes, as always. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again down the road. I'm fired up, guys. I'm not there this week, but I am there next week, New York and Charlotte. I think it's like Wednesday, Friday, when the Jazz get back from this little three-game trip. So I'll see you guys there at the arena and try and make sure it doesn't snow too much on me. But uh, I'm fired up. I think the Jazz are, are looking good. He's Michael Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst on AT&T Sportsnet.